This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas Hospital Association. Morning. Hello there and welcome to Plain Spoken, a podcast produced by the Kansas Hospital Association. I am Tara Mays with the KHA and I will be your host for today's episode. I am so excited today to have the chance to host our Kansas Secretary of State, Scott Schwab. Scott grew up in Great Bend, Kansas, and is a Fort Hayes State graduate. Prior to entering public service, Scott was a small business owner and a national sales trainer for a Fortune 500 company in the pharmaceutical industry. Scott was elected to the Kansas House of Representatives back in 2002, and he worked to bring local control and funding to communities to strengthen our economy. As chairman of the House Elections Committee for four years, Scott was a champion for several policies to safeguard Kansas elections as well as the voting process. Scott also served as vice chair of the House Insurance and Financial Institutions Committee and a speaker pro tem of the Kansas House of Representatives. Scott was elected back in November 2018 as the Kansas Secretary of State and has placed a priority on working with local elections officials, improving our business filing system, as well as prioritizing election security. In 2020, he was selected to serve as Midwestern Region Vice President on the Executive Board of the National Association of Secretaries of State and currently serves as Treasurer. Scott and his wife, Michelle, reside in Overland Park with their children. So before we get started, let me just say thank you, Scott, so much for your service to Kansans and for taking the time to join us here today to talk about elections during what I am sure is a very busy time for you and your staff. (laughs) Welcome to the show. It's so great. Thank you. Honored to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. It's great to have you. So we'll go ahead and just get started. So just tell me a little bit, Scott, about what has led you to your role uh, as the Kansas Secretary of State and what the office really does for Kansas. Yeah, so I first got elected Secretary of State in 2018, got sworn in in 2019. And after almost 18, 20 years in the legislature, and six of those years, I was on the elections committee, either vice chair or four, I was chair for four. And we haven't had a Secretary of State that was also a policymaker in the legislature for decades, going back before. And I love the man to death, but he was never in the legislature. Jack Breyer was never in the legislature. And so going back before that, so, you know, you, you see as a legislator, a lot of people pass policy and the administration doesn't understand completely the legislative intent. And I want to bring that legislative intent to the Secretary of State's office. So that's why we ran. And with that, we took the office, you know, we hear a lot about elections and obviously we'll be talking about that today, but really the biggest portion of the office and that requires the most human resource in the office is business um, filings. And obviously that's important in the healthcare sector because they have to file with our office as well. But what we've done was try to update the system. So the one thing, the biggest issue we came into office with is the computer system is an old mainframe computer called an AS400. And that was outdated in the late 1980s, early 1990s, but we're still on it. Um, we've been migrating off that for four years. It's a very laborsome uh, reprogramming transition to the new system. But that being said, once we're off that, we'll have update a lot more business services that we want to do. But some things we've done is we've created a K, KSBiz with a Z.Kansas.gov. And if you go there, it literally, you can write a business plan or sell a business, close a business, start a business. Eventually, that will be a wizard that instead of going from our office to ag to all these silos of government, you can go there and when you're done with the wizard, you click send and you get all your government 
government permits in. And we just want to make it easier to do interaction with government and to start a business because we're starting a lot of new businesses in Kansas. And so, and then we're also trying to update the corporate code. We also, we passed a law that said instead of doing an annual filing, you're going to do a filing every other year. And that'll start next year as well. So those are some of the things we're trying to do that we knew could be done in the office, but it helps to have that person with a policymaking mindset to get that type of stuff done. Well, it sounds like your expertise in the legislature has really helped you to streamline some of our government services. It really has. It absolutely has. And we've got a good team in there. You know, our, our, our employees are very dedicated and they've created a great culture and a great work environment. That's terrific. So tell me a little bit about some of the aspects that you personally jo- enjoy the most about your role as secretary. Well, the, the one I enjoy the most is the culture in the office. When we came in, it was a little bit of a negative culture, more than a little bit. It was a difficult culture coming in. A lot of the lead team was leaving and plus they're getting a new secretary of state that they really didn't know who he was. And so to come in and create an environment that's positive and people enjoy working together and it's little things like we came in, they needed new office chairs. That's not a big expense for the states. We just came in one day, gave everybody a new office chair. It's things like that to show, hey, we appreciate you and we want to take care of you and we want to take care of your health as well. So that's the part that I really enjoy is seeing people enjoy coming to work every day. And so that's the most fun, rewarding part to me, but also just the updating, knowing there's things you can do like the business services to improve interaction with Kansas. You'll never be on the front page of the paper, but it's so instrumental. And then also working with our county clerks in 105 counties. I mean, some of, these are some of the most wonderful people in Kansas that work hard and a lot of them don't get paid a whole lot. And they work really hard and operate out of personal integrity at a level that is just so amazing. And some every Kansan can be proud of their county clerk. Well, it sounds like um, you have your finger on the pulse of some of the things that we hear a lot about, which is workforce retention. So whether that's either for businesses outside of your office filing, but also internally for, for your employees in the secretary. Yeah, and, and it's, it's getting more competitive. I mean, with the labor market getting so expensive and I'm limited on how I can how much I can pay my employees, I can have employees saying, you know, if I went to work for Target, I can make more. So I have to compensate that by saying, but I wouldn't like it as much. And so that's really our focus is make sure people enjoy coming to work today. So yeah, maybe you could get more money at Target, but you may not want to do what it takes to get the money. And it's 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 a lot of work, but it's, in, it's very rewarding. Well, I think our hospitals can certainly appreciate that and that dynamic that we're in right now. Obviously, we know that your office is very busy right now, gearing up for elections. So tell me a little bit about what goes into the lead up of elections and maybe a little bit about what voters should know as we kind of get towards elections. Well, the most important thing, if you're a voter or a potential voter, is a filing death, is the regist- voter registration deadline is the 12th. And, and, and if you have kids that are teenagers, if they're 17, but they will be 18 come August 2nd on the primary, they can register to vote so they can they can still vote. They can do that 2nd. now. They can do that now. But if they wait till they're 18 and it's after July 12th, you missed your Too window. late. Okay. So that's a big portion. The other thing we do is a lot of poll worker recruitment. Um, after COVID, we had a lot of poll workers that were a little didn't want to be in public spaces. So we recruited a lot of young people. And this is something a lot of Kansans don't know is if you're 16, you can be a poll worker. You don't have to be a registered voting age. 16. So you get a lot of 16 year olds and 17 year olds working with a population that's in their 60s and 70s. You have the bookends of the digital um, generations. 
And so, and there's a lot of uh, modern technology being used in elections. It's nice to have a 16 year old, because like my 16 year old, or my 18 year old year old now, it helps me set up my phone, have them work with a senior population to pull off an election and they build lasting relationships. And those teenagers get extra credit, they get paid in the day out of school. How's that not a win? So if you have kids or grandkids that are that young, we really are trying to recruit more and more. And, and by the way, for those high schoolers, it looks great on a resume for applications, oh, for uh, scholarships you know, because it's a civic engagement that you've done. So that's a big thing we do. We also work a lot with our county clerks, especially if they're new. Hey, we have, we've hired a new election uh, consultant, which is Connie Schmidt. She's been a Kansas election clerk for years. She's known nationally. She speaks nationally. She's been a professional witness in lawsuits. And she's going around to make sure this is how you secure your equipment. This is how you train. And, and just making sure with all the new county clerks we have, everybody's running consistently. So it sounds like we have a lot of county clerks also that are benefiting and there's some positive things kind of coming out of COVID. How, what kind of turnover are you seeing in those counties? There was quite a bit. We had a lot um, in the previous administration. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of clerks where there was not necessarily always getting along. So a lot left. Uh, It was an aging population. So we had a lot of retirees with COVID. It was really a strain on our clerks. Um, being you're trying to put together uh, an election, but you're being quarantined in the house. You can't even go to the office. It was, an, and they can't access the voter list from their house because it's an unsecured network. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of challenges, and a lot of them said, "I did this, but I'm not doing it again. I'm mm-hmm. done." So that creates a lot of new openings for people to become clerk. But then that's a lot of that's an education gap, and we are using every resource we have and some of the federal money we've received to help provide that education and get them up to speed. Well, that's terrific. Now, I know there's been a lot of uh, discussion about elections over the last year, um, really, or two, and those have led to a lot of uh, changes in our election laws here in the state of Kansas. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the recent changes and what, you know, voters um, should be aware of? Yeah, so that's a great question. So we did have changes in the law because we look at election security like a hospital would look at cybersecurity. We're secure today, but what about tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and sometimes there's things we can do that we weren't able to do because a Supreme Court decision was, was handed down. So, so one of the things we wanted to do is when all the talk about voting machines connected to cell towers and the internet, we said, is it in statute? Well, it's in federal regulation, but the state didn't know pine on it. So we want to make sure that was in statute. The other portion, and again, this is more relating to that cyber aspect, is we have a lot of counties that use e-poll books, but we had no regulatory authority on that. If we're going to get attacked, it's going to be through the poll book. That's really our biggest mm-hmm. concern because that's the data, if it's manipulated, can really cause confusion in the election. So we want to set the regulatory standards to defend voters' information and voting list. And then the other thing we did, and this was a result of a Supreme Court decision from 2018, is we've had four ways you could be removed from the voting list, the, the registration list. You, you've changed your address and you did that, or you were a felon, or you died, or you just decided not to be registered anymore. We added a fifth, and this is really just to help clean up the data. And we worked with both parties to make sure there was a bipartisan agreement, and there was on this provision of the bill. We have dormitories, for example, at the University of Kansas, where there are people registered to vote at that dormitory that haven't been on campus for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. But we had no legal way to clean that up. Now what happens is if they haven't done a voting activity in four years, and that's either signed a petition, asked for a ballot, or actually voted, um, we will, the clerk will send that notice to that person. If it comes back, not at this address or doesn't come back at all, 
wait, if it comes back, not at this address, that's a change of address and they're able to be re okay. removed. If it doesn't come back, that starts a four year clock. So it's been four years it into an activity that starts a clock for another four years for a total of eight years. So we capture two presidential cycles because mm -hmm. we know some people might vote in presidential sure. elections, which is their, if that's their decisions, that's, that's, that's their decision. But at least we know it's been eight years and there's been no contact. Then that person can come off the voter roll. So we can get some of these people that are in apartments and rental properties and in dormitories off voter rolls. All that stuff is back-end stuff. The voter going to the polls mm -hmm. is going to be the same. We're really been prioritizing. Don't make things confusing for the voter. Mm -hmm. Let's not change a bunch of things. Let's make it simple and convenient. That's why during the shutdown, we said, no, we're not going to shut down in-person voting mm -hmm. because it was important for folks to just vote the way they normally do. Now, there were some changes, obviously, during the pandemic with shields and masks and stuff, but our position was if you could go to a liquor store, you can go to a polling place. Sure. And so we want to make sure we kept those, those provisions open and coming into this year, we still want it the same. While we're doing more increased security on the back end, your voting still going to be, your voting, the way you voted last time will be the same this time. Well, it sounds like you're making a lot of changes, but you're trying to limit the impact to and the real life kind of impacts to the voter coming to the polls. So I'm sure yes. they appreciate that. Yeah, and, and the clerks do too. So a lot of things like we are, our machines aren't connected to the internet. Putting in the law doesn't really change anything. Mm -hmm. It just solidifies current practices. So I know we're kind of heading into primary election season. You talked a little bit about the voter registration deadlines coming up. Can you talk about what Kansans should expect to be voting on when they head into the primary? Because yeah. I know that's a little bit different than in years past. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the first Tuesday following the first Monday is our primary day. And that's going to be August 2nd of this year. But that said, there's also a constitutional amendment on the primary ballot. So if you're in if you're not affiliated with a party, Democrat Party, Libertarian Party, or the Republican Party, that doesn't mean don't go vote because it's still your constitution and you get to opine on that decision. And unaffiliated voters that are not assigned, they have not registered with a party, need to generally at least look at a ballot and you do that through your um, county website or our website is sos.ks.gov and you click on the elections tab and you find out how to contact your county office and they can, you can go there to find a sample ballot. That's really important because if you're an unaffiliated voter, you may have a nonpartisan county commissioner's race that you can vote in that may have a, an election that day. So it's always good if you're unaffiliated, but you still want to vote to make sure, hey, those primaries, you may have something to vote for. Sounds like a very important thing to note for our listeners. Go go ahead and plan to make plans to head to the ballot on August yes. 2nd, no matter what. And if you have any questions about what you're going to be voting on, say that website one more time. So our office, you go through our office website to find your county website. So we, we have it all there, but it's sos.ks.gov. And you can just click on the elections tab and there's tons of information there. And there's another tool there that we created two years ago that's very helpful for voters if they do advanced mail ballots, because those will be going out the 13th. We have a ballot tracker. So if you've asked for an advanced mail ballot, you can type in your information. It will tell you if they've received your application. It will tell you if your ballot has been mailed and it'll show you if your ballot's been received. That's the important part, because especially if you're using the mail, which I recommend you don't because we have no control over the mail and it could get late. But if you're looking at it towards the end of July and your ballot hasn't showed up, you probably should go to the election office and ask for another ballot and vote. And we always recommend people, I know there's some folks who have no choice but to mail their ballot, but we recommend you don't any more than you would mail 
cash. Mm -hmm. There's you can put it the drop boxes in the county that are very more secure than the than the US mail. And you can also drop it off at any polling place on election day. That sounds really great. And so not only do you need to make plans to vote, but if you were falling into one of those categories that you mentioned, like maybe you moved or maybe you're not at a different re- you're at a different residence or you just want to know, like, I don't remember what I did last time I went to the polls. Where would you go to just make sure, like, am I registered? Am I at the right address? What does my registration look like for those that may have been a little while since they the visited? The best the touch point is your county office, okay. especially in the rural communities. They know who their county clerk is. They see him at the grocery store and the restaurant all the time. The more metro areas, it might be you know, it's going to be a little bit of drive to get to the county election office. But again, we still recommend that's where you start. You can find those contacts through the website I gave. But if you've had anything change, you change your name through a marriage or through a divorce, if you've moved, if um, if anything you think may not be correct on your voter registration, just go ahead and re-register before July 12th. And that way you don't want to show up at the polling place and they have to give you a provisional ballot because something was no longer correct with your information. And it sounds like I can go to my county election office to do that. Is there any way to register online if I just want to re-register? And again, I will give the website again. It's sos.ks.gov. Click on the elections tabs and those forms are there. Wonderful. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. Um, Before I let you go, Scott, um, I I just want to kind of provide an opportunity and some space. You know, our hospitals have gone through the last couple of years. There's been a lot of changes. Sounds like very similar to what some of your county elections officers and and those uh, volunteering at the polls and even voters have kind of gone through. Are there any messages that you're really interested in sending to our Kansas hospitals? Yeah. So especially if there's younger workers and they're they're just out of college, they're just out of high school. This, once you're 18, you are a shareholder in your community. Don't proxy your vote to somebody else by not voting. It's your election. They represent you. And we share this a lot with high school students. You don't think voting in school board elections is important. They're the ones who took away your sport. And they start to realize, you know, this is really important. You know, these people are making decisions that affect my life. So as a young adult, one of the most grown up things you can do is make sure you're voting in every election. And to be able to say I vote in every election is really something you can take pride in. Absolutely. What what a great way to be civically engaged in your community and, and really kind of make your voice heard. Absolutely. Obviously, you know, CEOs generally are pretty good about voting. You know, we're, they're pretty well educated. And as you go down there, you know, the staff is as well. But where it really hits home is those young voters. They don't think about it because sometimes they're more care, concerned about taking on the responsibility of adulthood, Mm -hmm. not realizing that's part of the responsibility of adulthood. Absolutely. Well, Secretary of State Scott Schwab, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Plain Spoken Podcast hosted by the Kansas Hospital Association. It has truly been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. And with that, I also want to send a big thank you to our listeners for joining us on today's episode. You can find each episode of Plain Spoken, a KHA podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to follow and rate our podcast and we will see you next time on Plain Spoken. For more information on Kansas health issues, go to kha-net.org.